Hey everybody, welcome to Hunting Ain't Easy. This is Mike Costello, your host, and we are going to talk about uh, deer hunting, specifically a couple of the mule deer zones. We call them the X zones or the draw zones. Um, I've got Dan Ryan on. This is the second part of two podcasts. We, we ran long on the, the conversation, so I split it up into two episodes. And in this one, we're going to talk about uh, X. 6a and 6b and then x 7a and 7b um, four different x zones they are in mule deer zones primarily north of uh north of tahoe north of the tahoe area um, really good mix of habitat and terrain and uh, popular in terms of um, hunting central california easy to get to for a lot of us um, but I think most importantly is they're accessible in terms of points. Right now, they, they run anywhere between three and, say, seven points to draw. And so a lot of folks that have been putting in for the draw here in California for a few years, um, they are within reach this year or in the next couple years. And so, you know, in terms of learning about them, uh, the time is right. And in terms of getting out and doing some scouting, maybe even before you throw in for the draw, um, this information will help you choose which one you want to focus on, maybe where you want to go do some scouting this summer, um, or where you want to end up hunting this year, either for one of the archery, uh, general season rifle, or even a muzzleloader hunt. That There's a couple of muzzleloader hunts in these zones as well. So really appreciate Dan Ryan coming on. He's an avid hunter and outdoorsman. He works for the BLM um, in their, their land acquisition. Um, department or in that capacity so he is familiar with all the land all the habitat here in northern california and central california so he knows he knows the zones he knows the land he knows hunting and i think he's a good uh resource for all of us to tap into and listen to uh you may also know dan ryan's name from a petition that he submitted to the fish and game commission last year and he's got a petition going with about two dozen changes to uh zones for premium hunts uh he's got some ideas for new premium hunts he threw in the second bear tag for consideration um so he's got this petition with the commission now it's gone through the wildlife resource committee it's going to go back to the wildlife resource committee and then hopefully it does look like some of those elements of his petition are going to be pushed forward for rulemaking starting this coming September and possibly be in play and implemented in 2023. So kudos to Dan for um, kind of kickstarting the engine on some innovative and creative uh, premium hunt opportunities that will benefit hunters for many years if we can get them in place. And I encourage you to follow that petition as it works its way through the commission and jump in and be a vocal and active voice for hunting opportunities here in the state of california um, i'm gonna get up on my soapbox for just a minute you may know that recently just a couple weeks ago here in april um, the hunting community rallied the the california department of fish and wildlife rallied and the fish and game commission rallied around data-based scientifically informed hunting opportunity and hunting regulations and rights by pushing back and rejecting resoundingly rejecting the humane society petition to ban bear hunting in california so um every hunter that used their voice either through emails or by jumping on those fishing game commission meetings um, thank you for getting involved, becoming informed, and becoming an advocate for yourself and for our hunting community. Um, I cannot stress enough how important advocacy is. And most importantly, we now have a platform that makes advocacy easy, fast, efficient, and free. Um, go to Howl for Wildlife. That's Howl, H-O-W-L, howlforwildlife.org, um, and sign up. Uh, you'll see action items in the action center where you can support hunting opportunity and conservation through hunting uh, across state lines and across species. 
this is where anglers and waterfowlers and big game hunters and houndsmen and falconers and you know anybody that loves wildlife um and appreciates the value of hunting as a as a tool and important um element of conservation this is where we can all come together and support each other's uh activities and support wildlife through conservation um no matter what state we're in or whatever our, our primary species of interest is we can support others this way so go to howl for wildlife get involved be an advocate because we are in the process of changing the dialogue and we are in the process of taking the lead and taking ownership of the dialogue and conversations when it comes to hunting and conservation in the U.S. and North America. Um, the anti-hunters have incrementally and intentionally kind of co-opted and corrupted a lot of the dialogue that happens about hunting, especially in the non-hunter space. It's time for us to reclaim that space and really direct um, how hunting is viewed uh, throughout all the communities of North America, not just in the hunting community, but really for the non-hunters as well. So that's it. Um, get involved, be an advocate, and we will dive into the second half of this conversation now with Dan Ryan, where Dan and I talk about four very popular and accessible uh, X zones. These are draw zones, primarily that feature mule deer here in California. And uh, if you've got between about three and seven points, you might want to consider them. Definitely listen in, get your uh, Google Earth or your Onyx out while you're listening, and you can follow along as he's talking about these zones and learn a little bit about them. So thanks for listening to Hunting Ain't Easy, and I uh, hope you enjoy the conversation with Dan Ryan. 6A, 6B, little, little bump to the south. Yeah, so those those are probably the, the second, you know, most common that I get asked about, even though there's not a tremendous amount of blm in those zones no um but you know i'm i'm very familiar with both of them hunted hunted both of them um extensively and i i do like the zones um you know the we'll start with 6a and you know so 6a has always been around that five to six points for a rifle tag and uh -huh. been about the same for for archery and it's it's stayed fairly consistent mm -hmm. you know and you're dealing with you know 300 plus tags in that zone um, and you know, it, it shoots a lot of three points and four points, um, mm -hmm. a lot being like, I think, I think 60% of the deer are three, three and four points, 60 or 65 or something like that. Um, you well, know, there's been a 55, 55%, this is looking at 2020, 55% were two point or three point, And then going the other way three or four it was mm -hmm. but you're right it's like 63 percent was three or four so 36 yeah. percent or four four points or better but only seven percent were for five points or better yeah yeah huh so um you know 6a being that it has a you know it takes a little bit harder to draw um mm -hmm. you know guys do come into that with a little bit different mentality that they want to at least shoot a three or four point mm -hmm. um and and most guys are pretty successful at that. I, I forget what the success rate is. I can probably look it up here. Um, I got yeah, it. let's say 6A is 56% and 6B is 47% uh -huh. um, last year. And so, you know, you know, over half the people are, are successful um, in 6A. And, and a lot of that is a function of 6A has a pretty diverse um, habitat type. There is a lot of it that is you know, more of your 4,500 to, to 7,000 foot elevation, uh, mm -hmm. pine, you know, pine trees, uh, um, fir trees, that type of terrain. There's been a, a tremendous amount of fires <coughs> that have gone through 6A, including yeah. just last year with the Dixie fire. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you have a lot of that burnt type of habitat, um, which, all, you know, everybody knows that that, that holds deer because it holds feed and things like that. So that's always good. Um, but then there's also some stuff in 6A that's down in the sagebrush or on that, on that transition zones that, um, you know, guys have had pretty good success hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing for 6A, since it's such a, a big zone spread out is, you know, finding out where, you know, what, what kind of terrain you want to hunt and where you want to camp. So, you know, I've had guys that want to hunt down by, 
Lake Davis and that country. And that's the very Southern part of six a, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good areas to hunt down there. I think it's probably the least visited part of the zone, mm-hmm. um, because it's a little bit more timbery, um, you know, similar to like D three and stuff like that, but you know, it, it has, um, quite a few deer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if they want to camp down there or maybe be closer to home, let's say they live in off the 80 corridor, that's, that might be a quicker drive for them. Um, versus the North part of the unit, you know, there's, there's some of the more popular areas to camp like Antelope Lake or Frenchman or, um, well, Frenchman Lakes in 6B, but, but there are 6A guys that, that camp there mm-hmm. where, you know, there's good campground facilities, really good access to roads and, and, you know, basically hunting out of, out of camp. So, you know, kind of selecting where you want to be in there, um, you know, going and co- trying to compare it to 6B, um, 6A is a lot better as far as opportunity goes. Um, you know, it has a higher success. Mm-hmm. 6B hasn't always had a super high success. It's been more down in that, that 30 range. Mm-hmm. Um, but, got, you know, guys are getting better at, at hunting that zone. That's that's one zone leading into 6B um, that has jumped. It used to take every few years that people could get that tag. And, you know, almost every year and every other year that you could get the archery tag. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, you have, you know, guys that really focus on the opportunity side. So you have a lot of guys that kill, you know, fork and orange and three points. Um, and then there are, are the guys that focus on trying to kill more of a mature upper, you know, age class deer. So I would say out of 6A and 6B, there's more guys that are just looking to fill a tag in 6B mm-hmm. than, than 6A because they maybe hunt it, you know, a year sooner kind of thing. Right. Um, also what I've noticed with 6B is a lot more people have really gravitated to hunting that open desert type country. Um, cause 6B does go to the Nevada border, um, on that side. And, you know, while that, that does offer some really good, um, glassing opportunities and hunting opportunities, it is not the same as 5A and 5B as far as like, you know, the, the amount of deer and stuff like that. I mean, there are deer in there, but I've noticed just in the last five years, the number of deer have really declined in that, that mm-hmm. habitat. Um, because you know, your people can be pretty efficient at killing them. Um, you know, and, and it's not, not that hard for those deer to just hop over into Nevada where there's no hunting season going on. Um, so right. I've seen a lot of guys really struggle hunting the desert in six B the last few years. Um, you know, not saying there are deer there, but, um, I do think, you know, not only predation, but just the amount of popularity of hunting the desert and, you know, people have put in for six B to hunt the desert because they don't want to wait for five, you know, five A for five B right. and, right. you know, there's been some great bucks killed in the desert, but I think it's really kind of gone downhill. So I'm looking, I'm looking at good old Google earth and, uh, looking at what is approximately six A. And it, it does look like, like the terrain, like you can get true, like timbery high Alpine terrain. You can get, you know, desert Valley or rolling desert areas. Um, would you say that deer are spread throughout, you know, these, but I don't know if we need to look at the two zones differently, but are deer spread out throughout these zones or is there going to be a concentration of deer is there is is there a true summer habitat winter habitat um to be aware of in terms of like migrations and and where deer are going to cluster during you know archery season during august during normal general season you know uh september october um i personally between 6a and 6b have not seen any difference between where the deer are in august and where they're in october Um, we just, we don't have any weather that, that comes in. And even when the weather comes in, you know, a few inches of snow isn't enough to really push, push deer one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have seen some deer in, in six B after a weather event move around a little bit. Um, so there's a big game refuge in six B that, you know, Mm -hmm. deer do inhabit and it's their summer range. Um, and I have seen them move out of there early during the, the latter part of the rifle season. Um, but other than that, like the really for 6A and 6B, the deer really do inhabit majority of the zone. Um, there are hot spots in that zone for harvest, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, I mean, strictly, I think it's, it's not so much a deer number as you have more hunters in that area focused. Okay. So, you know, a great, a great example is we had the moonlight fire in like 2007, which was in 6A. And it burnt up a lot of, um, you know, really nice terrain, but like thicker terrain. Mm-hmm. And it opened up, you know, opened up a lot of areas so people could see. And so, yep. you know, we see a lot of harvest in that area because it's also closer to one of the more areas where people camp um, mm-hmm. in that zone. And so, you know, you see a lot of spot kills in that area for this, you know, the strict purpose that people can see more now it's in a burn and it's close to an area where people camp. So, um, versus maybe some of the areas on Southern part of, of, uh, 6A that are more still densely forested and, um, mm-hmm. you know, don't have those proximity factors to areas where people camp, you know, they, they still hold deer, but they don't maybe have a hundred, a hundred of the hunters on the landscape, um, right. you know, to be able to, to show that, you know, it's just really good right there. So, um, so some of this area of 6a it looks like based on what i'm looking at on google earth there's this patchwork of of logging clear cuts um you've got these little little patches of of clear cut um in amongst the the timber which tells me it's it's logging is a is there a fair amount of you know spi private timberland on the west side of 6a there that people have to be aware of or is that yeah is that, so, on, is that uh, on the other side getting into the C zone. Nope. That's, um, you know, that's North of highway 70, like between Portola and Quincy, there's some pretty big chunks of uh, SPI in there. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where you'll see those clear cuts, like the, the forest service and BLM, like we don't do clear cuts. We'll do thinnings. Uh-huh. Um, and so like the forest service in here is doing a lot of thinning. Um, they're also doing a lot of salvage, um, logging right now. Cause you know, the Dixie fire just blew through this area. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're cutting a lot of, you know, burnt, burnt timber right now. And so that's something, if someone were to draw this year and even next year, they're going to see that activity out on the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, with SPI, you know, that ground just North of 70, you know, people do hunt that and, you know, it's been closed obviously for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have had pretty good success, um, you know, on those pieces, um, that I've seen, but, um, by far, you know, if those areas are closed, it's not detrimental to that, that zone being successful. Got it. So with the Dixie fire, cause it, that affects so many, so much of, uh, so many zones. Um, I mean, it touched probably all of almost two, two or three of the C zones and then six a touch six B, um, huge fire. Obviously some of it was really intense. Some of it was more, more that mosaic of intense, high intensity with low intensity. What do you, with a fire like that, what's your experience in terms of years to having a net, net benefit to hunting and the, and the herd in general, you know, we're not going to have triplets on the, on the landscape, you know, from does this year, but you know, maybe two years from now, there'll be enough forage. What's your take on, on how that will impact um, you know, the herd quality in the next several years. And then also, you know, does it just, uh, from a hunter's perspective, is it, does it help today because it opens things up? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of questions there. So yeah. like to first start off with, with any fire, you know, there's, there's always now going to be the opportunity, you know, if, if your zone's closed, you'll be able to turn your tag back, which, you know, is, is a good, uh, good thing that the CDFW provides. Mm-hmm. So like last year, you know, not a lot of people, a lot of people turn their tags back in 6A and 6B because it, it got pretty, pretty nuclear mm-hmm. in those zones as far mm-hmm. as um, burnt, burnt vegetation. Now it was open during the rifle season um, and I was out and about and, you know, I saw guys hunting, but, you know, nowhere near the numbers, you know, as years where we didn't have a fire. And the guys that did hunt it had, had decent success. So, you know, immediately after a fire, um, you know, contrary to what some organizations might say, like a fire isn't just like burning up deer and, and bears like crazy. Like th- mm-hmm. those animals are smart enough. They, they, they can get away. There are instances where a fire event is just so extreme that, you know, it's moving faster than an animal can run. And, and we will mm-hmm. see dead, dead animals on the landscape after those fires. And I, I, I work fires quite a bit, um, with my job, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that immediately after fire in October, 
you know, a guy can still have a good hunt. Just realize mm-hmm. that it might change traditionally where deer maybe have been. Doesn't mean they won't move back in there, but like if let's say the fire just ended in September, you know, you, you might have, you know, in a traditionally really good area, you might not have any deer. They might be over in this other, you know, basin that maybe didn't get burnt as much, or there's some, you know, isolated islands that didn't get burnt. Um, the, the year immediately after a fire. So like the Dixie happened last year. So this, this coming year, um, it really, you know, a hunter should look at moisture. Um, cause there's areas within the Dixie that I've been on that, that do have green up. They got good snow. Okay. Um, you know, you're at a decent elevation, like expect, especially in six, six, the higher elevation in six, a and six B there was some snow. It was enough to cause some green up, but realize mm-hmm. it's still, it's still pretty black. I mean, you're not looking at like a, a fire, even in the Sierras down, um, down in like D three through five, those, those areas bounce back pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, still, even though we're in higher elevation in the Northern part of the Sierras, like it does not get the snowpack that, you know, down, down by all the ski resorts get. So, right. Uh, realize, you know, that year after a fire, it can still be good. Um, and, and guys have done really well. Cause you can see really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the deer, the deer have moved back in and they'll, they'll be focused on those islands of habitat that maybe didn't burn. Um, but what I've seen mostly is like those, that second and third year after a fire, when you start to get more of the, you know, less, you, you have that grass component that happens immediately after a fire, once it mm-hmm. gets moisture, um, and deer do key on that, but they also like, you know, the forbs and the, the, the shrub component. And so those are your, you know, your bitter brush, your sage and your ceanothus. And so, you know, those are the things that, you know, deer will focus on the, you know, second and third year after a fire. Um, and that's where I've noticed where things, things can get really good as far as within those fire scars that it's like, all right, you know, the habitat is really coming back. The deer are really keen on this. It's not that it's growing more deer, but more deer are, are predictable at that point. Okay. Um, and you can go, okay, yeah, this area, it's a North slope. It has a few Springs. Um, you know, it has these islands of unburnt. Um, you'll finally like the, the aerial imagery for the public will come out to where you can actually focus on those areas with Google earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can, you know, you can become a little bit more predictable on where the deer might be versus, you know, this South facing slope that, you know, is just a bunch of dead trees and not a whole lot of, um, not a whole lot of shrubs or anything like that have come back. Got it. Is there a point where like the nutrition is so much better that they, they do, the deer do just start to grow more deer or. Um, I think so. I mean, I think, I think also when that, that veg component, not only in the grasses, but the shrubs, um, Uh gets to a certain age, you know, in that two and three years, like it, it does offer more cover for fawns and things like that. Um, and, and, I don't know enough about deer nutrition to know whether it does that, but I'm sure, I'm sure there is more subsistence in that type of, um, that, that type of, uh, habitat to where, you know, it, it's, it's a lot healthier for does, but yeah. um, really the cover aspect, especially with the amount of predators we have on the landscape is really important for fawn survival. So. And the fire by opening things up makes the predators easier to avoid. Um, is that, yeah, I'm not sure on that one. I mean, I, I think it also create, I I've seen a lot more bears in six A and six B, um, and even five A and five B believe yeah. it or not. Um, and I think in six A and six B, you know, the amount of bears that I've seen in there has been a little bit of a function of like being able to see them with the fires uh-huh. opening up terrain, but also uh-huh. like that Cianothus that comes in and, and there's those berries off of that. And they like riparian vegetation, like all of that stuff. Like, I think it grows predators and grows bears. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's one, one side note is like, if you are going to hunt 6A, 6B, 7A, mm-hmm. um, 7B, you know, really look at um, picking up a, uh, a bear tag. Um, it's not like it, it coincides with the hunt, but not for opening weekend. It's, it's right. that second weekend of the season is when it opens for the X zones up here. Yeah. That's, it's not that's a one direct. thing I, I'd love uh, for him to change, but yeah, I don't know. That's the next see if we can get that change. That, that would be a good one to get changed. Yeah. At least for archery, there's a direct overlay yeah. on the, the bear season there. 
so yeah so now i'm now i'm now i'm confusing myself because i've been thinking about 6b and now i'm as as you're talking i'm looking at the the geography of 6a and i'm like oh that looks good too and there's only a there's like a one to two point difference between 6b and 6a 6a takes more um it's all a matter of like do i how how itchy is my finger on this do i want to you know throw in and burn the points now or um well and the other thing that i'm doing is i'm trying to scout these zones like i i want to I'm, I'm trying to scout them to the point where I know like where the bucks are. Like I know which bucks I'm going after. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to give myself a couple years of scouting one of the, the zone that I, I choose to go in on with these points, um, which is probably way more uh, like prescriptive or nerdy than I need to be about it. But I just figure, you know, if, if it took five, six years to accumulate the points, I want to have a plan. Um, <laughs> For sure. No, and, I mean, that's a smart way to go about it. I mean, you know, a lot of the guys I talk to, um, you know, that are in that three to five point category and they don't care whether it's rifle or, or archery, uh-huh. um, you know, it, it boils down to, you know, if you're going to put in time like you're talking about, you know, you're, and, and you have a realistic expectation of what you want. Um, you know, either zone or they're very, they're, they're too similar to, to say one is way better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more targets in six a, there's just, there's just a bigger deer population there. Okay. Um, and you know, it's a little bit healthier and I think that's probably a, you know, a function of terrain a little bit as well as, um, you know, the habitat. Now who knows mm-hmm. after the Dixie fire, if that might show a different trend, Mm -hmm. um, in a few years, but, you know, really, I mean, both of them are very similar. Um, it just comes down to, you know, a lot for a lot of guys, it's, it's also proximity. So like if a guy is coming from, you know, Sacramento and driving, Mm -hmm. you know, 80 to Reno and then up 395, you can be in, you know, 6A and 6B at similar timeframes. Um, like I just talked to a guy the other day that's trying to decide between, x6 and x7 and he was telling me he lives in uh, i think it was auburn or west sac or where it was but anyway he was saying you know that he wants to come scout um he wants to save the entire season all that kind of stuff and and you know and really if you're putting in that much time you know and and maybe gas is an issue or maybe time is a little bit of an issue like Mm -hmm. 7a and 7b are closer by about Mm -hmm. an hour Mm-hmm. um you know and so you could factor that into your your decision um yeah but, um but really you know when it comes down to you know even even though 7a and 7b have much lower success rates and i know we haven't even talked about those yet i mean they're they're all very similar as far as like if you're going to put in the time you'll 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 get an opportunity i would say out of the four you're going to get more opportunities in 6a and then probably, you know, second to that might be um, 6B, um, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like maybe more opportunities at a, a smaller buck. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just see a lot of like fork and horns on the landscape in that zone um, versus like 6A. I see a lot more like three points and, and smaller four points. Um, okay. And then, you know, it, you know, so it all, it, it depends. I mean, you're, you're probably, you know, maybe not the majority of guys because the majority of guys maybe don't have the time to do a bunch of scouting, especially in the X zones. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they show up a day or two prior and they, you know, spend a week, which that's an awesome way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but have realistic expectations based on that. And so if your expectation is I want to, you know, kill the biggest deer on the landscape or it's a 180 plus, um, it's doable in any of those, you know, six or seven, Mm-hmm. but you know, it's going to take an extreme amount of luck or an extreme amount of patience and scouting. Right. Um, to, to make that happen. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm trying to go for the biggest buck in the zone. I think what I'm trying to avoid is like an example is this. I've got, I've got a, a couple cameras up in seven a and I, th- there are some very impressive bucks that have shown up on these cameras but they're all like November, you know, the first week of November for a couple of weeks. And I'm thinking, 
well, those bucks might have come from, you know, miles away. <laughs> the twenty they they may have come from twenty miles away, or they may have come from two hundred yards down the down the drainage, and they just spent the last six weeks like tucked under under a bush next to a creek, and they just didn't come out during the day at all. So I'm just trying to figure out to where, like, I don't want to I don't want to end up in a spot for ten days where there just aren't that many deer. Like they're just not there. They're somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, with that, if you're, if you're seeing them in November, if it's early November or middle of November, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously those deer are probably close to that area, closer to that area during mm-hmm. the rifle season. Mm-hmm. than um, if you didn't see them at all in your summer scouting. So yeah, um, they're, they're really, it, you know, seven, seven, a and seven B do have a little bit of a, a migration. Okay. Um, mostly towards the Nevada border. Um, so it's like seven, a, they go more to like the North, um, Northeast, like towards, uh, border town and Hallelujah junction and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, in, um, seven B, you know, I don't, I don't know the stuff around like Tahoe city and, and all that kind of stuff, but, but a lot of those deer move again towards the Nevada border and like, Mm-hmm. A lot of them on the north side of 80 move towards and actually into Nevada, like in that pea vine country and stuff, just north of like Cabela's and stuff like that. So yeah, those deer do move, but I'll tell you right now, I mean, I was in 7B in December of last year before we had the snowstorm and those deer were on top of the mountains. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- maybe they migrated you know, prior to that, but you know, they were, they were still on top of the mountains in December. So they bounced back um, up. Yep. And then, and then, you know, in six B and six a, um, you know, I've been up high during snowstorms, um, significant snowstorms in, um, in November. And the, you know, there's, there's plenty of deer up high, um, yeah. in six B there is a migration from, you know, the higher country in that Dixie mountain game refuge to the Nevada border in that Fort Sage, Fort Sage mm-hmm. country and stuff like that. But it's not as, as prevalent as, you know, what it used to be or what it even, if it even happens much, um, with much regularity anymore anyways. Got it. Now, before we go to seven a and seven B six a and six B also have muzzleloader hunts. Um, how would you compare those and, and maybe how would you compare them versus the, the muzzleloader hunts up in five A and five B? Uh, so six B or six A that's the, uh, Bass Hill muzzleloader. Um, and that's just focused on the Lassen County portion of six A. Um, so it doesn't encompass, I mean, it encompasses mostly private land. So the stuff, the Lassen County portion is like kind of the northern portion of X6A that is around Susanville and around the actual like Bass Hill wildlife area. Okay. And so it is a little, it's quite a bit limited on where you can hunt. Um, That is one thing in the petition to expand that boundary, which Mm -hmm. I think that'll happen, which will make that hunt a lot uh, higher quality. Again, that, that Bass Hill um, muzzleloader hunt is the same as 5A and 5B's muzzleloader hunts is it's just a week after the general season has closed and so it's always that last week of october okay um you know it 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 does all right a lot of the success is on private land so it's kind of you know people take that with a grain of salt as far as that that success rate i think it's 50 percent um and then bumping down into 6b you know that's the doyle muzzleloader hunt which is pretty renowned with the throughout the state is like the the premium muzzleloader tag i mean really Mm -hmm. the the most premium tags in the state are, are devil's garden, the muzzleloader archery, which happened at the same time. And then the Doyle muzzleloader, the Goodale uh, rifle buck hunt down in the um, Owens Valley area. And uh, there's a couple others, but those are really the, the premier ones. And, and the reason being is their, their dates um, mm-hmm. for Doyle. It's, it's, I think it's November 19th through, through Thanksgiving mm-hmm. um, for, for a few weeks. And I mean, it's, you know, you're hunting deer when they're the most susceptible to, to uh, being killed. I mean, they, they are most of the time pretty rep crazy at that time. I've been on that hunt a lot, um, yeah. helping friends. I've never gotten a tag cause I just don't <laughs> for it, but, um, helped, helped a lot of friends and family on those hunts. And, and it is a fun hunt. Um, you see a lot of bucks, you know, it's still 
you're hunting with a, a, a semi-primitive weapon, open sights, muzzle over. Uh -huh. Um, if you get weather, um, in that zone, you can see more deer move into the lower country, um, mm -hmm. along the 395 corridor, but I wouldn't bank on it. I mean, like last year, um, it was pretty much sunny the entire, entire hunt. And then the year prior to that, um, we had a little bit of snow. And I think the year prior to that, we had like a foot of snow. Um, but still, I mean, you're, you're seeing plenty of deer, um, the one issue in that hunt is, you know, I think guys come in wanting to shoot 180 inch to 200 inch deer. And mm -hmm. while that happens on occasion, it's very rare. Um, yeah. The, that genetic quality is just not there. Um, especially on the public ground there. I mean, you'll, you'll get a big buck, um, spit out every once in a while. A big buck I will say is like 180 inch buck. Mm -hmm. Um, just it's very rare that anything bigger comes out of that most of the guys are killing 150 to 160 inch four points um right you know but but it's an awesome experience guys get to hunt in the rut and, and chase them with a muzzle loader right on so your point on the uh on the petition with the with the doyle muzzleloader hunt is to expand the the boundary to the entire zone or or expand it just further out into into more of the back country and the higher elevations yeah so and it's with the bass hill muzzleloader um and the bass hill archery hunt so again those are okay. only folk and the, the bass hill archery hunt is in x6a and that's a later season date it's a pretty premium tag to get very fun mm -hmm. hunt um mm -hmm. takes quite a few points to get um you're just hunting more in the rut and that's why it's it's a better hunt um still dealing with private land and, and issues there but what we're, what we're looking at in the petition is um, the boundary for those Bass Hill hunts are really, they're just the Lassen County portion, which is not that much public land to hunt. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, speaking with a biologist in that area, that, that zone boundary was really made back in the 80s and 90s when they put together that hunt um, that, you know, basically the, the, they didn't feel like anybody was going to hunt in the high country because we had winters back then and we had a lot more snow. And so they were just primarily focusing people in the areas that were, that were winter range, mm -hmm. um, which was probably warranted back then. Um, but nowadays it's not, I mean, we're, we're very dry in, mm -hmm. in October and November. And so, you know, a lot of times there's not even a drop of snow on the mountain by November. And so, you know, by expanding that boundary, you include the entire zone of X6A Right. It'll allow a, a guy that drew the archery tag or the, the muzzleloader tag to hunt the entire zone. They could hunt down by Portola and Lake Davis if they wanted to, or they could hunt up by Antelope Lake and, and things like that. So, you know, those deer are still up there in October and November. And so, you know, might as well expand that. Um, what I'd like to do is I'm, I'm sure I, I'm very confident that they will expand that. But then I think the next step will be hopefully opening up a few more tags because, um, you know, like the Bass Hill muzzleloader, there's 20 tags. And right now it's just in the Lassen County portion. Well, if we right. add, you know, a thousand square square miles of areas that people can hunt, you know, I think they could add a few more tags to that, not make it detrimental to that population. Yeah, definitely spread people out. Well, and not just that the winters are right. come in later or drier or whatnot, is hunters are so much more capable. Like you can be, you can be out in November in, in California and not die. <laughs> yep. exactly. you know we, we've got we've got uh equipment and skill sets that are that make it a little more tolerable um all right well that's that's cool that's good that's good information <laughs> now i need to throw 6a into the into the mix to, of consideration um but i what you said about scouting and time to get there and whatnot it's really important i agree because i can get into 7a and 6b in about three hours you know, two and a half to three hours, but doing any justice to six A is going to add some time to that. Um, and you know, I like to scout as much as I like to hunt, probably. So that's definitely a, a factor to consider. For sure. So, right on. All right. So seven A and seven B. Um, it's interesting because you said you know stack ranking. You know where the best opportunities are. You said six A and six B, but seven A and seven B take like seven B takes more points i'm assuming it's because it's so close to population centers um you know its location is accessible 
for people that are any anywhere in Northern California. How would you how would you describe those those two zones? Yeah, and um, I think I think definitely for seven B, you know, it takes more points. Yeah, it's closer to population centers. Seven B does have a little bit of a reputation and history um, mm. of, as you know producing some really nice bucks. But also, I mean, it, it only offers, I think, 125 or 130 tags. So, mm-hmm. you know, that alone is going to make it harder to draw, make it more points to draw. So that, True. you know, definitely as folks are looking at the big game digest, realize like sometimes units take a lot more to draw because they just have less tags. And I mean, that's 5A and 5B are a great example. You know, they don't they don't offer but 100 tags between the two of them. So, right. Um, so, yeah, with 7A and 7B, I mean, and, and why 7B offers less tags is it's just a, it's a smaller unit and, and a considerable um, lower deer population in that unit. And so um, both of those are, you know, great zones. I, I haven't hunted them personally. I've been on those hunts and I've worked in those zones. Um, I have not, um, seen something in those zones that just like makes me like go, okay, I'm going to, you know, stop putting in for X1 or, you know, stop putting in for X4 or X6A and and put in for those. Um, you know, so, so, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt in, in, as far as like recommendations. Mm -hmm. Um, if I was going to choose one over the other, um, I would probably choose seven a, um, it has a little bit more diverse types of terrain mm. um it did have a fairly large fire that went through there and a, a couple of years ago and burnt a lot of the winter range um closer towards the nevada border um and the, you know there's a wildlife area out there and stuff was that the um, loyalton fire that was the loyalton fire yeah so how is that a, is that a plus in your mind um it, it's a plus in the higher elevation where those habitats can come back um, the stuff down in the, the lower elevation, the winter range, um, while I was just out there the other day, like there is sagebrush and bitterbrush coming back. It's just mm-hmm. that ecosystem takes so much longer to recover and actually be productive, um, for, for deer and deer, um, you know, rather than like pronghorn do really well, you know, in those type of desert fires, but, um, deer really need that shrub component. And so. Um, yeah, it, it might've been more positive in the higher elevation stuff where, where, you know, it's opening some areas up and, and creating some new growth, but down in the desert, it really does, um, whack the, uh, the habitat to where it's, it's not super productive for a while. Got it. Got it. Um, and, and, um, so yeah, with, with 7A, um, it does have some private intermixed on the north end of 7a as you're getting closer to like portola and sierra valley and mm-hmm. and that country um there is some access issues like you'll anybody that has onyx you know you'll see some blm country in there um on the north end and and that stuff for for the most part like to get to it easily by a vehicle is is not easy at all like you're you're gonna have to hike into that stuff there there, there was some easements that were temporary and basically they got relinquished by a new landowner. And so we just don't have any easy access like off of Highway 70 or 49 to get into that BLM. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to kind of have to be, you know, creative to get there, whether it be for, through Forest Service or through the wildlife area, hiking in and something and stuff like that. But with that being said, there is some benefit, you know, benefits to that being limited access and people can, uh, you know, use that to their advantage. Um, but anyway, the Southern part of 7A, you know, really cool country, you know, all that stuff is, is, um, forest service and that, you know, Babbitt peak and crystal peak area is just some really unique, um, unique country. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of people ask me about like the, the boundary line between 7A and D3 and, Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that's the most <laughs> marginal hunting in 7A. Um, really? Even though that's where the, you got the Pacific Crest over there. Yeah. And, and what, I, what I mean by marginal hunting is, um, you know, there, there are a lot of guys that with D3 tags that hunt that line. Um, okay. And, and so you are going to see more people. I mean, even though it is, is hiking in a lot, a lot of um, portions of it, you're going to see a lot more people just hunting off of that in the got D3 it. zone. So. Um, and there are, there are deer out there. I mean, it's, it's, 
thicker country um other than when you're getting down into like that lakes basin area i mean you'll get into more of that granite that type of really high elevation sierra Mm -hmm. stuff but it is a little bit thicker terrain even in compared to as you're getting closer to the east side on that on the forest service like towards uh uh like sardine peak and Mm -hmm. um and uh babbitt peak and stuff like that that you know that's just you know a little bit bigger country and no you know not a whole lot of private to deal with um so and and the other thing on the western border you kind of have to worry about a little bit of uh i'm trying to remember if it's spi i think it's spi ground that's checkerboarded in there so um sometimes spi just looks you know turns a blind eye but these last few years they've been patrolling that area um, quite a bit yeah i think the west side there is a lot of checkerboard with spi um definitely consideration you know looking at at 7a there's the antelope valley wildlife area that's there Mm -hmm. just kind of tucked in you know between sierraville and loyalton or or what is that what i don't know why it it stands out to me other than it's got like it's at the base of this big horseshoe like basin um with ridges all around it is that an antelope area what what is that wildlife area known for um, I think its purpose is very similar to Hollywood Junction as far as like deer winter range and deer okay. habitat. Um, there is some summer range within that wildlife area. Um, and I've been, I've been on that wildlife for quite a bit, like looking for uh, deer sheds and, mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. I haven't hunted in there, even with the, the folks that we had, uh, um, seven, eight tags for. Um, uh-huh. but I have been in there. It's really cool terrain. I just honestly haven't been in there during the deer season to know what's, uh, what's around. Um, I was in a couple years ago. There's a little chunk of BLM just to the West of that wildlife area, kind of mm-hmm. between 49 and that wildlife area. Um, and I was in there during the actual deer season, um, doing a survey, um, basically surveying private and public boundaries there. Um, and I did see a couple different, um, bucks in there during the deer season. Um, and it, you know, again, looking at these zones, you know, like, let's say you're hunting the rifle season where, you know, there's going to be quite a few guys on the landscape and, you know, by the end of the season, you know, that's when I was at that, at that chunk of BLM and those deer were tucked away and, you know, they, they obviously, they might've lived there, but they also could have been pushed into there and, and, that's kind of the beauty of some of these little chunks of BLM um, mm-hmm. is a lot of times deer will escape there because they, you know, they don't get as um, heavily hunted as, as the forest service does because it's, you know, big contiguous blocks of public land. Got it. I was wondering about that, like why that would be, but because the BLM might be smaller, you know, hundred, hundred acre, 200 acre chunks like nestled between private. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why'd you call it Babbitt Peak and Crystal Peak as being unique? What's, what is it about that, that range or that, that there's, those peaks are kind of like north, south, uh, north, south orientation along a ridge. What's, um, what's special about that, that, that ridge line? Um, so what I like about that whole area is there's some really, um, nice basins that face to the east. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some good glassing opportunities. And I mean, I like, I, I do like to, to use my binoculars more than, more than anything. And so, mm-hmm. you know, those two areas, you know, at any point, if you're able to like Babbitt peak, you can drive all the way to the peak crystal peak, you, you can drive a little bit and then you have to kind of walk to it. And it's a nice ridge line that, that you can walk like due North. And there's some really, you know, kind of hidden bases and basins in there. So, um, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, these zones, you know, I try to look at, you know, these areas that have, you know, high points, obviously if there's a peak, then you're at the highest, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can, you know, look at topography and find some of these little high, high spots where you can look at some of these North and East facing, uh, basins that, you know, I, I think have a tendency to hold more deer in these areas. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, that's, that's usually why I've, I've gravitated to those areas um plus you're yeah you're you can see a, just a lot of country and and i found from babbitt peaks in particular like you know mm-hmm. you can look you know five miles away and go oh well how the heck do i get over there <laughs> you know, you don't you're not seeing any deer but at least you know 
you know, you're almost, you're, you're, you're like the live view of Google earth. And so like, right. if I'm going to go up there scouting. Like I try to go to the tallest peak, not so much to find deer, but maybe to see the terrain around me and go, well, five miles over there is, you know, or, you know, three miles to the South is crystal peak. And that looks like a really good spot. You know, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go over there. So like you start with Google earth and Onyx and stuff like that. But then like, once you're out there, like, you know, jump on one of these high peaks or these lookout roads, um, you know, these fire lookouts are great, you know, great for that. And then, you know, throw your binoculars out and just start picking out landmarks and going, Oh, well, yeah, let me, let me go over there and, and check that out. Cause that looks a lot better than maybe what it did from on Google earth. Right. I'm just imagining during deer, during deer season, um, especially general X zone Babbitt peaks, like a, there, <laughs> is there, a, is it just a bunch of trucks parked up there and, and people spiking out from the top of that peak or is it? Um, I haven't seen it. I, I mean, people drive, I mean, yeah. in, in all of these zones, I mean, X6A, especially X6A does have a lot of roads and so okay. does, so does X7A in the forest service portion. Um, so, I mean, realize that you know there are areas where you can get away a little bit but you're not going to walk like five miles to get away from a road mm -hmm. um just because there's not that type of wilderness type of of hunt there um now there there are where you know areas in all those zones that you can definitely get away mm -hmm. um but you know you you realize that with quads and utvs these days like it might look like a really horrible two track, but someone can still get down it. So, right. Um, most of the time, like, like I haven't seen guys like spiking out on any of these peaks. Cause honestly, they're not the greatest places to camp because they're super windy mm -hmm. in the evenings, but, um, you know, just driving, looking around, you know, going out, you know, going out of their way. Got it. So, so you like seven um, a better than seven B. Um, I would say if I had to choose between the two, I would go with that. Um, yeah. I just haven't spent much time in the Tahoe area. So I have spent a lot of time around like Stampede and Boca mm -hmm. and Prosser Reservoir. And then just recently last year, um, I spent quite a bit of time along the Nevada border, like north of Verdi um, in mm -hmm. Nevada. Mm -hmm. um, and that was in 7B and, and some really, really unique terrain types in there. Um, and lots of deer, you know, I, I was in there in, in December, so it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, during hunting time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, that country would hold deer year round. I mean, it's really, um, some nice terrain, um, yeah. and some areas that, you know, there's, there's only a couple roads that go up and through there. Um, and there's some really, you know, nice areas to be able to just, you know, take a walk and, and it's a mixture of like conifer, but also sagebrush. So, um, you know, good glassing, but also some good cover for deer. deer. Got it. Sage question for you is, is, is sage in your view, a preferred food or is it a bat? Is it like, is it backup forage when there's nothing else for, for mule deer? Um, it depends, but most of the time it's a backup. Got it. Um, there are areas where deer key on that year round because that's all they have. Okay. Um, I've noticed that a lot in like a lot of the places we manage out in Northwest Nevada. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the deer just key on sagebrush, young sagebrush, things like that, you know, the new, new shoots and things like that. But um, a lot of the deer in these zones key on, you know, bitter brush as well as the younger, like Ceanothus type brush, like tobacco brush and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, when it's, when it's at a younger stage, um, by far in, you know, as far as what I've seen deer key on most in all of these zones is, is definitely bitter brush. Okay. I need to learn how to spot bitter brush. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're looking in a sagebrush flat and you see a bunch of dark brush intermixed between the green, a light green sagebrush, that's, that's your bitter brush. Okay. All right. Good. <clears throat> I, I, I'm out there hiking around I'm like, look at all this sage, look at all this, look at all these groceries for deer. And, but then if they're, if that's not really what they're into, um, unless they have to, then it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't do much good. Um, I realize there is some habitat where that's all they've got, you know, and then that's, that's what they're living off of. But, well, that's good info. Um, that's enough to confuse somebody that has, you know, three to six <laughs> points as to what to do. 
yeah. in, in the in the current climate. So last question for you, because we're we're coming up on two hours. I really appreciate this deep dive on these zones. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that that you know kick around the idea of going into five, six, or seven at some point soon. What um, you know, we've got the tag return this year for last year's fires. They, people have until uh, maybe it was two days ago. They have until sometime this week, I think, to turn in their tags, return their tags to get points back because of zones that were had significant closures last year. And I think there's a it's several thousand tags that are eligible, deer tags that are eligible for this return thing. If you include, I think there's some C zones that were included. Almost all of the archery X zones were included. A lot of tags. It seems like that's going to cause a significant amount of point creep. Do you follow that stuff? Is that, do you have an opinion on, you know, it's, it's good, but should we anticipate more point creep this year than, than is typical? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with the limited amount of tags that um, California offers already, um, and if you had a zone like, let's say, 6A or 6B, where over 50% of the folks have turned their tag back, mm-hmm. um, you know, that and then, you know, people gravitate towards fires, you know, after hunting fires, after they've happened, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I could definitely see you 6A and 6B, especially like if you have that, you know, five points and you're like, all right, I'm guaranteed a 6B tag, like you're not at this point. I think I think six or seven is what we'll probably see for six A next year, wow. and um, I think for six B it maybe isn't as impacted, but I think I would be surprised if it doesn't jump to to five points for rifle and four points for archery. Got it. So yeah, um, I I mean I guess I take the archery comment back and the fact that there might be more guys released reluctant to put in for archery just seeing the last couple years that we've had a lot of forest service closures Mm -hmm. um so they might focus on something else but you know again most guys are are really wanting the the you know if they're archery hunters and want to hunt x zones they're they're pretty focused on that and they're not gonna to jump to to something else yeah the the one saving grace for archery that that might affect this year is you know, well, two things, the, the fire issue, as you mentioned, but also if you're just, if you're just numbers driven and you're looking at last year's harvest statistics, you know, 6B and 7A had harvest statistics of 9% and 5%. Like they look terrible on paper um, because they were so hard to hunt last year. For sure. And so, but I think that's, you know, we know there's a difference. There's a second layer to that story that affected that. But if you're just looking at the digest, you know, 9B had had 8% harvest during archery, 9C had 3%. You know, then the harvest numbers were just in the tank for some of these zones that were impacted by fires, um, which might maybe scare some people away, which uh, which would be interesting to see if the what it takes to draw those actually goes down. Oh, so, for sure. Well, you've helped me. Um, I don't know if you've helped me decide. <laughs> <laughs> but you've helped me <laughs> and yeah. uh anybody that's li- this is I'll, I'll add to the uh the intro on this that anybody that's listening to this they should pull google earth up while they're listening and um and just dance around looking at the map and looking at the imagery as 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 we talk through this because it uh it adds a layer of of information and flavor to it that's interesting so yeah. um, r- really appreciate your time um we didn't get to b zone or c zone um, we didn't get to antelope. We may have to come back and, and hit one of those on, on another call. Uh, we've got basically four weeks from like this Thursday, I think, is the deadline to get draw applications in. So people are going to be studying this in depth over the next few weeks. And uh, I think the information that you threw out about five, you know, all, all these five AB, six AB, seven AB is going to be helpful for people. And it's certainly informative, um, something to come back to every year for sure. For sure. Absolutely. I thank you. Yeah. Thanks Mike for setting this up and yeah, I think, I think it'll help some folks out and 
even if it causes more calls, I don't, I don't mind. Um, <laughs> don't mind at all. So yeah, folks are welcome to call. Um, how, how do people find you? So which, which office are you at? And then what's your, I, I know you're on Instagram. And so what's your Instagram handle if you want to give that out? Yeah. So, um, as far as the, for the Bureau of Land Management, I work in the Northern California district office in, uh, and I work out of Susanville. Okay. Um, and I can give you my information if people want to reach out. I mean, that, that number is, is public information as it should be. Okay. Um, so people can reach out to me, um, directly and, um, and then, yeah, I mean, my Instagram, I, I, I pretty much keep it limited to the the people I know and people I've met. Got it. Um, no, and no the sweat. reason being is, nope. is uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I try to help as many people out as I possibly can. Um, but I mean, I, as you know, I'm a hunter and I mean, yeah. basically people don't see a, a fraction of the stuff that I, I, I shoot anymore because one, I've gotten a lot of flack um, working for the BLM and like, Oh, you're out scouting while you, you know, when you're hunting uh. and all that kind of stuff. But then also, you know, you know, people on the internet, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much, it's, it's not rocket science to be able to find out where someone hunted or shot something. And then it causes, um, you know, issues for that zone or it causes points to jump and all that kind of stuff. That's so, fair. Um, you know, my Instagram is, is Dan Ryan, 2355. Um, if, uh, if I've talked to you and, and we've talked and stuff like that, you know, feel free to, you're welcome to, to add me and I'll, uh, I'll uh, probably approve it. We'll see. Got it. I, I, yeah, <laughs> but, I wasn't uh, sure if it was private or not, but no, that makes sense. And the other thing is, is you've got an office, like you have a, you have a, you have a place uh, of access that a lot, most of us don't have. And, and you've been super gracious a with the time here and B that you are, I mean, that you may get a lot of calls in the next few weeks because yeah. of this. Um, but that's cool. And that says that you can also do a little more, like personalized deep dive if somebody's very specific about you know the research they've done they want to compare and contrast against what your experience has been for a specific area um that's super helpful so awesome well i will um i will see you if not in person then also virtually then virtually uh for the wildlife resource committee meeting on may 19th and uh looking forward to working with you um on all those fishing game issues as as we continue to push forward trying to get some better opportunities and, you know, new opportunities in the state. So really enjoy working with you on those things and uh, appreciate your time here and uh, I'll let you go for the evening. So Dan, thank you so much. No, thank you, Mike. And I appreciate all all that you're doing as well. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Okay. Good deal. And shout out and thank you again to Dan Ryan for that conversation about um, across the two podcasts about, X5A and B, X6A and B, and X7A and B. A lot of good information there to unpack about those zones. Um, definitely spend some time studying. We've got the Big Game Digest available on, at CDFW online, and you can study up and, and see what the point point requirements are. Keep in mind that um, there's going to be some point creep this year. You know, a lot of a lot of tags were returned last year due to fires. And so where something may have taken four points to draw or five points to draw last year, it could easily be four and a half or five and then five and a half or six this year. Would not surprise me to see a full point of point creep on some of these units this year. But, you know, unless you've just got some absolute dream hunt that you're that you're focused on, you know, 10, 20 years from now, I'm I'm a fan of. You know, burn them if you got them. You know, get get to where you've got a few points. Study a couple zones. Decide which one's going to work best for you in terms of, you know, access and the terrain that you like. And, and maybe you've found some deer already. Um, for me, I, I want to spend a couple years studying a zone before I'm going to go in. If it's a, uh, you know, if I'm burning preference points. And so get out and just explore and learn the zones, and then and then use them. Use those preference points on a premium hunt and have yourself a great opportunity and and great hunt out there. Um, These zones are special and they're unique and they're different. You can make an adventure out of any one of them. So hopefully you enjoyed the conversation with Dan. Um, Go to hunting ain't easy on Instagram. Follow me there. You'll see some, uh, some bear hunting adventures coming up. I'm heading up to Oregon soon for a little spring bear hunt. And uh, as always, you're going to, you're going to be able to find whatever, the advocacy and, and kind of regulatory issues that we're battling here in California or that we're supporting, that we're pushing forth and supporting 
um, you'll find me talking about those things on hunting ain't easy uh, in the uh, on the Instagram. And then um, you can reach out to Dan Ryan directly. He's at the BLM office up there in Susanville. And so you can call up there. You want to get some hunting ideas or talk to him about these zones. If you get one of these tags, give him a shout and he'll talk to you about um, the hunt that you're planning and, and a little more specifics about your, your, your focus and what you've got, which tag you have. And uh, maybe you've done some research, listen to the podcast here, and you've got some more, more specific questions to dig into. So thank you for listening. And uh, I'm excited about scouting season and then hunting season coming up. It's going to be an exciting year here in 2022. Um, bears and bucks all year. So hope you guys get out there with me and uh, have some fun. See ya.